Welcome, welcome, welcome to an emergency pod. We're back midweek because we got to touch on the appointment of Kamala Harris to be Biden's VP. Listen up. This is actually an emergency pod. Uh, this is what we've been waiting for. The Veep was finally <laughs> announced after the long freaking bachelor, bachelorette pageantry that we had to, to deal with, which we, we will harp on in a sec. But Ed, what, what are your first reactions? It's, it's actually Wednesday morning, but this dropped yesterday. How you feeling? Oh, man. I mean, I, this is a, a lot of, a ton of stuff. You have to, it's interesting. I think a lot of Black people who are, critical about making the right VP pick, who were critical in the primary, but then now critical about making the right VP pick, kind of change gears after it's set and done. It's kind of, you kind of change gears. You're like, damn, this is actually really historic. And it is, um, you know, we can talk about representation and symbolism versus other things. We can talk, we can talk about that. But from a sheer having a black woman on the ticket and hopefully in the White House uh, as a VP is just major it's insane and it is momentous so it's kind of like you just change gears into that and i mean that's kind of where i'm at but i'm also want to get back into the other critical stuff yeah you know i think what's interesting is and i've been seeing this i've been seeing quotes floating around this so it's kind of in my head but i think a lot of us just love wearing critical hats myself included a lot and we we do it so much that we can't find joy in like any parts of something right so if you were really progressive in the past year, and we'll talk about her voting record, but you, ha you had to feel some way. And so in the primary, if she wasn't your person, you were like anti her, right? That doesn't take away from the fact that it's still not historic and important for her to be nominated as a VP. I was pleasantly surprised when she was announced, even though I would have been shocked if she wasn't, and we'll go through that, but I was excited. <laughs> even though she wasn't like one of my top picks, I actually felt excitement. Uh, I think she, she was the right pick for those who were out there. She was the right pick for the moment. She was the right pick for Biden. And if you care about winning in November, which I do, I do think she was the best combination to get there within it. So it doesn't mean that that necessarily was my favorite person to run. They're two different things. But I've also felt excited to see people who I know and really respect who are super progressive, uh, championing, you know, a lot of issues that I care about, uh, who weren't for her, but taking a step back. I've seen some really strong op-eds and posts uh, of just where they stand now and where it's time to rally and the importance of the moment for, you know, a woman with, you know, black and Indian parents to be in this position. It's a, it's a big fucking deal. Uh, and, you know, we can, t we can probably get to tokenism and all these other things, but, um, before, before we kind of get into like deeper her, any final thoughts on just the Veep candidates who uh, missed out on the sweepstakes? Missed out on the sweepstakes. Um, <laughs> or did, who, uh, or wasn't it, was it LA Times or something likened it to The, the Bachelor, which is, which is crazy. Um, yes, yeah, highly insulting. But, right? I don't know. Listen, man, been on this podcast time, time again, I was, I'm, I was for Warren for president. But if it had to be VP, I was still, I was Warren. But 
I think in a post George Floyd world, he had to pick a black woman. Maybe I think that was I think that that was his logic. He had to narrow it down to picking a black woman in this moment because shit would have got even it would have erupted even more. I'm, I'm thinking that that's probably his 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 in his team's logic. Also, well, I'm I'm assuming also, I mean, uh, friends of his like John Clyburn were like, black people got you here. You didn't have anything without them. And I, I can't imagine some of that wasn't in his team's mind when they were doing this. George, George Floyd probably tipped it, yeah. but it had to have been circulating. I don't know if he would have gone there without George Floyd. Right. But his back was against the wall. One, whether he wanted to or not, it was the decision that had to be made. And, you know, when you look at the other candidates, I mean, Susan Rice just, I mean, who wanted to deal with Benghazi, like, stuff again? It just, it would have been drummed up all over, all that stupid nonsense. Her son somehow is like Trump <laughs> super fan number one, which would have come up all the time. He, uh, for anyone, you can look him up. He's a, he's a, a fine Stanford youth uh, who runs the Young Republicans Club at Stanford, which is just, you know, quite interesting. And then, you know. Raving MAGA hat wearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just and, crazy. Right. And so, and then once all this stuff happened, like as much as we liked Warren, we knew that that was going to be tough. Gretchen, I think, was just, in this, I don't know, she kind of just didn't have it. But the, the other candidates just, there's a reason why when Kamala was just announced, there's been a general sense of energy. It's because she's been in the popular yeah. forum for years now. And even though she didn't, even though she didn't poll as highly as like Warren and some of the others, obviously in the primaries, she had some big punches against Trump. She's had some big punches as a senator, you know, in the Kavanaugh hearings. Like we've been seeing her with fortitude really step into a lot of these roles. And if, you know, the numbers are true and the stats are true, even if her DA time was definitely not uh, palatable to a lot of us, it does appear that she's gotten a lot more progressive as a senator. Right. So it's like, we can't divorce these things just on knee jerks just because of one thing. And at a certain point in time, do we ever, I, I just don't understand where like some people are allowed to make changes or some people are allowed to grow. And some people aren't. Yeah. Like, where do we pick and choose here? Because it's like, when there's certain people we like, if they fucked up somewhere along the line, but then they start doing something else, we're totally cool with redemption. But in like people like Kamala or others, like, there's definitely things in which in her DA stuff that is like not like good. But I don't know if if the, if the next ten years she's doing things that are important. I I, I just don't get these purity tests sometimes. Uh, it's just it's just not the way the world works. Yeah, it's not. It's not how politics works. It's not how it's ever worked. It's not how electoral government or, you know, the three branches of government actually work. It's never how it's worked. I mean, you can hold a person accountable for their personal record, right? And this is like, this is a historian, history junkie talking, you know, talking here. You can hold people accountable for their personal histories, but the way that government works in the, in the frequent election cycles makes it so that you can vote people out if they don't do what you voted them to do. Like that, that is the accountability clout that is just always over politicians and correct a lot of the behavior and what they do. So you can go from Biden authoring the crime bill or, you know, or Kamala being a somewhat draconian DA around kids uh, missing school and then 
push them over to more of like the Bernie, the AOC side of, of the Democratic Party. You can push people, you can pull and push them. The electorate has the ability to do that because politicians have to do what their constituency tell them to do ultimately. That's why, so I mean, that's, that's ultimately how it works. And I have faith in that even if all of the things we wanted aren't in Joe Biden as an individual or in Kamala Harris as an individual, there is already a tide that's been turned in the Congress in the Senate and in the House that will push the the executive branch to do more progressive things. I think that Bernie opened a door that can never be closed now. He sort of made way in his radicalism for all of these other people to, you know, Cory Bush. Jamal Bowman. Jamal Bowman. So it's like, listen, the, the, you can't put the toothpaste back in the in the bottle kind of thing. Like, it's already out. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's for good. And, and we we now have these other levers to force a otherwise uh, more moderate conservative historically uh, politicians to do more progressive things like i think we can do that yeah i I agree and like you know i remember during the primaries there were times where kamala came out with new um policies and i I felt like they didn't go far enough i think we talked about it on on previous pods and i'm I'm blanking on exactly some of the stuff i'm thinking of but once again i think like she was just a part of like a pretty like historic climate bill with AOC, right? Once again, like people can be pushed into these things. It's up to us to keep pushing them. It's up to us to keep, you know, voting and nominating young progressive people into Congress that can keep them accountable. It's all these things matter. It's not just like a one thing or nothing. So yeah, I think, you know, I saw it's like 92 or 93% of the time, like current Bernie voted together. By the way, I don't know if I would agree with every single vote. I would have to look through (laughs) <laughs> for both of them. Right. Um, yeah. And even right, Bernie like, voted for the crime bill, didn't he? Yeah. Like, is, it, is that a thing that we like to forget? Like, we like to conveniently push aside and say, you know, Bernie is like this holy king of progressivism and, and democratic socialism. He voted for the crime bill. He made statements against it, but then voted for it because the people who elected him wanted him to. And by the way, we were talking about this. We really want to get a side note to the people listening. We want to get a historian to come on and talk about the crime bill because hindsight is always, you know, obviously 2020, but there are so many factors going into these things. And I think these are the nuances. It's like better to understand when people are going into it. Um, because to your point, like Bernie's people told him to vote for it. So he voted for it. Didn't mean it was right, right. but that is part of like being a civil servant. You do what the people say they want. So that is once again why these other races are so important. So, I mean, look, voting record aside and all these things, we, we know that the next few months, all the cheap shots are going to come out. She, a black father who left early, who knows what they're going to say about that. Yo, you know what? It's, it's going to be just with, I mean, you thought, you thought birtherism with Obama was bad. There's going to be some, some strain of that, however it manifests, but with black women, you know, the most oppressed group in American history, like it's going to look, black women are either, you know, these sort of hypersexual deviants that are twerking, or they're these asexual mammies, or like there's all these contradictory things that can be marshaled in order to subordinate black women and have been. So there will be some of that. And her blackness will be challenged. And then also, we have black people are gonna are gonna challenge her blackness. Like she's gonna get it from both sides. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I find that so interesting because it seems pretty clear she's identified as black most of her life. I mean, she she chose to go to the the real HU, uh, which we'll have to talk about. She went to Howard. <laughs> but but what you know, like 
I also think it's dope that, you know, she was raised by an Indian mother and like really embraces her Indian heritage. Why wouldn't she? We're all composites of like different things. Like I, to me, that's actually like a beautiful thing, but I know what's going to happen is some people are going to say, Oh, she is a lighter skinned black woman. So it was more palatable for people to get her. She's not a real black <laughs> person. Like that, that, I've already seen it on Twitter. Like that shit's already yeah. going to come out. Uh, which to me is like, I don't know. I, I think that's so insanely insulting. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, she's primed for it because when you talk about how black people are going to critique her and other groups think that black people are just aligned on everything all of the time, which this is really going to undo that notion. Oh, yeah. Um, and really wake people up to see how multifactional um, the black community is on, on, on stands and stuff. What do you think some of the major factions will be within? Obviously, there'll be a bunch, but what, do you, what are kind of like... Uh, there's going to be, you know, number one, there's going to be ADOS. You know, if anybody knows about the ADOS group, um, American descendants of slaves, you know, black Americans that have ancestry that draws back to enslavement. You know, I'm one of them versus like black immigrants, right? Kamala's father is a Jamaican immigrant, Right. Right. So there's going to be contentions there. There's also going to be contentions in that as a black woman, she's just it's going to be easier for black men to push against her or critique her more than they would Obama. Like that is just so much like that's clearly going to happen. Right. And that's patriarchy. That's patriarchy. Like there's going to black men are going to more easily critique Kamala than when Obama was was running. Like that's cl- so there's so that's going to happen. Just the misogynist faction. Well, they're going to throw at her dating um, the former mayor when he was like in his fifties or sixties, and she was like thirty. <laughs> oh my god, bro! She's going to get things that we. That's going to come hard at her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that doesn't come out. They've been they've been waiting for that one to drop. It's all going to get so you know. So those are some clear factions, and then you know, and then the progressive versus more conservative black community progressives are going to hit her over the head for being a DA and she, you know, erecting mass incarceration in California, which is bullshit. Mass incarceration in the North is a response to the great migration. And that happened long before Kamala was, was even born. So is she part of the system in part in upholding that? Absolutely. And she should be held accountable for that. But also it can be argued, can you rise up in an institution without becoming a part of it? I think that that's, that's a longer conversation for a different pod, but I, I think you really have to wrestle with that, especially for a black woman. So that's a, just another conversation. So the progressives versus the more conservative uh, black people, which a lot of people don't know are all a part of the Democratic Party. Like there is this progressive and conservative spectrum among black people, even though they're in one party. And then like the HBCUs, like you're right. There's no more decision to be black. The idea that there's only one way to be black is completely part of racism. Yeah, there isn't. There's a whole spectrum of black people. And if you ever went to Howard University, you would know that about the diversity within the black community and the diaspora. But her decision to go there is is just like completely a decision to embrace a black ethnicity. Like that's just clearly what it is. There's just no argument around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've uh, I've actually been loving all my friends and just like other people who went to HBCUs just chirping super loud. Uh, <laughs> do, do you regret leaving Howard now? Yeah, this is, this, this could have been, <laughs> been a shiny Listen, moment man, for you. I still claim Howard, not with like pushback from people, but I still claim Howard. I got my Howard sweater. Howard completely tra- changed the trajectory of 
my life for sure. I only, and, I, and I say this again, I went to Hampton to, to play basketball. It wasn't to get away from Howard. It was to go towards playing basketball. So Howard and Hampton, uh, you know, I'm a very polarizing figure of that rivalry. But um, yeah, man, no, Howard, Howard will always be, I always will always claim Howard, whether people want to. I mean, listen, Howard claims Tanasi Coates, his ass didn't graduate. But he got right. a, he got an honorary degree. So if you want to, if you, anybody that ever went to Howard, did did he graduate? I don't know. I, I, nah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think did he did. Yo, I, I got like kind of a shit. I got kind of a shitty admission. Like growing up in Maryland and going to GW, just like across the city. I didn't really know anything about Howard. I always didn't. I, in my mind, I just thought it wasn't a very good school. I don't know why I thought that. Probably some sort of like racist, like kind of like mentality. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know if I looked at. I, I can't tell you what was baked into that. I did know that like. All I knew about it was like Howard Homecoming, which is like a comical <laughs> thing to be the only thing to know. But it's so funny now, like actually over the years, like, you know, getting to know people who went to, you know, Spelman and Morehouse and Howard and all these different HBCUs and understanding just like the richness of education and also understanding like what different types of like education are and, and their importance and also just like the way it frames you in life. Yeah. And so I think it's really, it's, it shouldn't, you know, especially when schools right now are going to be hammered hard by COVID and just yeah. the endowments and people enrolling. And we know HBCUs were already hurting as is. I think it's a really cool time to have a deep who went to an HBCU to like really champion them because they're if there's ever going to time that they're going to need a spotlight to continue on, uh, it's now. So I, I'm very here for that conversation. Yeah, a couple of things about about Howard. Howard, people are going to kind of pull out their Howard bona fides and, oh, we got the first this, we got the first Supreme Court justice, da 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 Like, you know why that's true? is because of segregation and right, racism. Right, right. This is this, it's like, the only place to go. Howard having a monopoly on all the black talent is just like not, it's, it's great and it should be celebrated, but also let's not forget, that's the only place they had to go, like you said. And, you know, I'm not surprised that, you know, coming from Maryland and Howard and how it's looked in HBCUs, HBCUs are underfunded. They're not top-notch in the sense of that they have less resources. You know, that's why. So it's, it's always sort of the, it's the common causation correlation error, you know, which, which, is, which is which. And then you can say that with black neighborhoods. Black neighborhoods are poorer and more violent than other neighborhoods because, is it because black people cause it to be? Or is, is, it, is it a reflection of, you know, their circumstances? Ed, I'm, it's something, I'm not 100% positive, but I know, like, going back to high school, I was probably very uppity on, like, scores, right? <laughs> like, testing scores. <laughs> That's probably what I was looking at, quite frankly. And I bet there potentially were a little bit lower at the time. I'm, yeah. That'd be my gut check of, like, I looked at their scores. They probably were, like, so-so. And then, like, that was my intrinsic decision because like the schools I was looking at was like in the very white lens of like top ranked schools right. that had high scores I had studied for mine like a ton and like I got a high score so like that was like that very white lens but we've talked about like how nonsense <laughs> and this is why people are starting to peel back these scores because they're not indicative of like how right. people are going to perform and do and we also know that there's you know, certain people have more access to wealth. So some people, white people, for all the historic reasons, for tutoring and all different things, there's like all this stuff baked into the whole thing. Right. So it's not actually that shocking that like I 
was like trained under that lens. And then I probably looked at black people are too, though. And I looked at some stuff and like, that was my thought. Like, it wasn't like I was like, oh, it's the black school. So it's a bad school. I probably just looked at scores and was like, oh, the scores aren't that great. Yeah. Which that's totally reasonable. You know, that's that's like it's so loaded behind that. Right. And black people look down on HBCUs as well. HBCUs are not beloved by all black people ever since desegregation and black people kids of beneficiaries of the affirmative action in the civil rights movement started going to other institutions you, you can see the contrast in black people like oh i'm not i'm not going to an hbcu it's not the real world it doesn't prepare you for the real world that was a classic tagline of black people complaining about hbcus or oh the resources aren't as good like a lot of black people don't like them either so it's just sort of a funny thing you know that is not necessarily tied to you know, it's a black school or this or that, but black people look that look down on HBCUs as well. But now maybe after this, you know, the Howard always got the most juice out of all HBCUs. That's just that's just true. But after this, maybe people will look at it. Yeah, How- Howard was always known as the best for sure. Yeah, yeah, Howard de- definitely got the most juice. I also think that there's, I mean, I think this is mainly in, prog- in like progressive circles. I don't think this is a standardized feeling. But I do know, like, for instance, like my mom, who, you know, is a Bolivian immigrant and like has taught right. like English as second language for like 20, 30 years. Right outside of Maryland in a, in a community called Tacoma Park. I'm sorry, right outside of D.C. Uh, and that like that neighborhood is majority black and brown. They definitely have a lot of uh, Latinx kids, many of which I'm sure are DACA. And so anyway, she's loved doing teaching like kids who basically kind of like her <laughs> for decades. Yeah. But um, th- she's she's told me over time here and there there'll be like some kind of like, you know, like richer, almost like white parents from other areas of town who will send their young kids there uh-huh. because they want them to have more of like a diverse experience as young kids with mm. other kids instead of just being like bucketed into one thing. And I don't know like where that goes, but I but I do think there is this broader thought process for different, even for all different people, right? But like there is different ways to look at what success is going to be and how we learn and who we learn around and how we're learning from them and their experiences. And, you know, not to get one experience. I think the cool thing that you told me even about HBCUs like offline, which is not shocking to me, but you also said earlier is like HBCUs have the, the wide gamut of all the different factionalisms of the black community. So the diversity within it is all over the place, right? So yeah. even within an HBCU, it's not like it's not diverse because it's black, it's hella diverse, right? Because yeah. Yeah. you have all the different perspectives of the diaspora. So I just think that there, this is hopefully the way we'll keep evaluating education as we go forward. And, and, and there's not like one way to look at it, but it's, it shouldn't be looked at in just, you know, oh, this is what's gonna test the best for me. Because we know that doesn't set up people for lifelong success. No, no, of course not. Yeah, the whole testing a school thing. Yeah, we need to we need to bring like a school administrator on this pod and yeah. and dive deep into that whole thing. It's it's crazy. Well, before we get to, I'll I'll, br- I'll bring us back to Kamala because obviously yeah, 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 yeah. We, right, we, right. we went we went a little off track uh, on the emergency pod, but I mean, if you're listening to us at this point, you know that that's standard us. So I mean, yeah, I mean, what are kind of like what's some final thoughts? Uh, we'll, we'll keep this one tight, but like over the next few months, I mean. Shit, we got a three-month sprint. She's going to be debating Mike Pence, which to me is going to be a treat. I mean, that guy is such a dud. I don't think anyone really wins because guess what? People on both sides are already voting for who they're voting for. Right. But I, I can't imagine it's not going to be super enjoyable to watch. <laughs> no, yeah. Her, that, the VP, like, yeah, she's going to, like, destroy him. I mean, I, that that's clear. And that'll be fun to watch for sure. Trump said something that I 
I agreed with him for the first time, I think it was yesterday, or whatever, he just sort of first reactions. And he was like, well, listen, historically, the VP pick doesn't really move the needle. It doesn't matter. Maybe it does for this one. But usually it doesn't. And he just said that, that like that was a soundbite. And I was like, wow, I, I do agree with that. Right. So we can say this, like Biden already won the black vote in the primary. You know, we can, you know, he and haw about why that is on a separate time. But he won, he already had the black vote from the primary. And it was going to clearly and clearly going to carry that to the general. Kamala as a VP is an amazing historic achievement. And it's an historic moment. It just is. If you want. And I'm not doing this. I'm not. Hey, can, I, can, can I push back on that? Go ahead. I would say that that makes sense almost always because the presidential figure is just so much larger than life than the Veep. The Veep, is all, the Veep pick historically right. is always just like, I don't know. It's their, their, their like buddy that, that hangs with them. And it's just, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> look, like, look what Hillary did with Tim Kaine. She like picked like the most like bland person ever. And like, oh, like Al Gore with like Bill Clinton. Like we knew who the alphas were in these situations. But there's, I don't think there's been a, uh, a presidential candidate, at least in my lifetime, our lifetime, who will have been 78 if they win right. and has vocalized that they're not voting or they're not running again, that they are literally a transitional candidate and then has picked the person who potentially beat them up the most, maybe the second most, I don't know, between Warren and her, right. basically, yeah, or the, yeah. the one, two. But uh, I mean, he, he picked a big foe who is viewed as a top candidate within the party so to me i don't know i i think you can't separate those things like obama we knew he was going to run again clinton we knew he was going to run again like all these other candidates were just like in their groove biden's not in his groove we don't even know if he's going to make it through covid <laughs> i mean <laughs> so i think there is a little bit of a difference and i think for people who you know obviously Kamala's not the progressive's choice, but I would say like that moderate who wants to be a little bit more progressive, they're fired up and yeah. she is a transitional candidate. She definitely is. Yeah. In this case, you're right. If Biden, the oldest president, she is just a hairbreadth away from being the president, being his successor. And, you know, I think you're right. I think that that should be looked at as, as a serious thing for sure. And even even without that, if he does run again and gets, you know, we're all, we're all talking optimistically here. Let's not, well, let's bask in a moment. Let's just say that he wins. And, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and even if he wins the second term, Kamala is just this new type of star in the party and will be. She's young and she will be around for a long time. And she's just kind of been leveled up to this. Um, she's now one of the party bosses. Like she just is. That's what this pick does automatically. So whether she succeeds Biden during one of his two terms or uh, and then she runs again and gets picked then or something like that. This completely changes the dynamic of the party. Right. And we can you know, we can talk about symbolism. Well, I just want to make one, one remark about symbolism. But, you know, Cornell West will say black faces in high places, they, you know, that whole thing like fool's gold, blah, 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 which there is merit in that, obviously. But the symbolism of Kamala being. VP and being in the White House at that level, if it mattered before that there were there were no black women as a, as a president or a VP, if that actually mattered before this, then the fact that it changed it's changed must matter now. Like that's just clearly what it is. If it mattered before that there was never a black v, woman VP or president, that changing has to matter now. 
Like that's just one thing that, you, and we can talk about the power of representation, um, not being the only thing that pushes us forward, but it is something that I think is slept on. I've slept on it plenty. Like most, like I give, I could give a shit about representation most of the time, but this is a bit different, I think. And you know, I got, I gotta say that. By the way, we we failed to mention one of the other things that people will definitely throw at her <laughs> is having a white husband. <laughs> well. I mean, for sure, absolutely. People will. will you know, I'm just, I'm just saying, in the in the bag of dumb tricks. Like, no, there's gonna, uh, it's gonna come out all of that stuff, bro. All, all, right? all, the, all that stuff. She's gonna be uh, white husband, angry black woman. She's gonna get it from all of these, and they're gonna be contradictory, which is gonna just be the fun part, where you're just gonna see all of these, you know, arrows that they that they sling at her. Like, wait, doesn't that, doesn't this arrow contradict the other one? It really doesn't matter, actually. All that matters is subordinating her to not being worthy of being a VP. So what's interesting is I was thinking about her versus Hillary Clinton, right? Both are these ambitious man-eater women, all the, all the kind of the, right. the same old kind of patriarchal tropes that are going to be thrown at them. But I guess Kamala is fortunate that she doesn't have Bill Clinton as her husband, right? Like, I, I don't know what the dirt is on Douglas, but it doesn't seem like much outside of him just being a lawyer. And, and I don't know, I'm sure they'll dig up some random cases and try to throw something at him. But all the different patriarchal reasons to hate Hillary and take away all the, the actual real shit that she did get done, could have gotten done, so on and so forth, because we wanted just to make her into this evil, atrocious, terrible, ambitious person. It, it just can't really be thrown, I think, at Kamala in the same way. I think, one, there's going to be massive pushback. One, whether it's right or wrong, because people are going to say that the race card's being thrown at Kamala. And like, that's fucking, so people are going to punch way harder back about that. Once again, she doesn't have the X factor in Bill and just all the other things. But to me, this is like, Jamil Smith like wrote like an article and I didn't really read it. I like breezed it, but he basically was talking and he put it out this morning. Kyle has been battle tested. This is like why she was elected. Right. You know, there's been a year plus for her to get beaten up in the press and all these things that come out, you know, Karen Bush, had her, her her Scientology moment, which was kind of icky, and obviously we knew the Karen Bass, you know, Karen Bass, and and then the, the Benghazi stuff with Susan Rice. Like we went through the DA stuff with with Kamala. We we know that is there, but guess what? That's not like a terrible thing for moderates and like Republicans that are like potentially voting against. Not that there's many of them, but voting against Trump. I mean, so it's just like. I don't know. She, she's just been, she's gone through it. And the things that made me really nervous about Hillary and granted, once again, Joe's the candidate, not her, but we're, we are talking about her. I just, I just think she's been through it and I'm, I'm not nervous or scared about any of the little things people are going to say. And I just think that she's such a puncher. I'm actually excited to see what she does. So I don't know. I, uh, I, I, I'm actually shocked at how excited I am. And I think partially because I was just so over the process Right. <laughs> and, we just, and we just we just needed we, and, and actually, if anything, it was probably good that Biden talk, has talked a lot less the past few months. And now we right. just need a sprint and he needs to use her as a really strong surrogate because she's all day long a better speaker than him. And so I don't know. We're, we're under 90 days. So here we go. I know. Yeah, she's going to be. Yeah, I agree with 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 what you said. She's battle tested she had she literally ran for president and you know doug some stuff i'm sure things about doug would have came out during the primary right but also this she went through clearly this thorough vetting by the biden team in order to to get uh, pulled into the vp position anyway so she's kind of been battle tested and vetted twice she's i mean listen man she's 
I'm excited as well. And, you know, I, I will absolutely fall in line and rally because uh, this is the team we got right now. And I think ultimately negative partisanship will carry the day and will definitely carry us in November. People are just, this is, we're up against Trump, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, we want to be aspirational in our politicians. Absolutely. We should always be. But, uh, you know, and people don't like voting for the lesser of two evils, but you can't conflate the two. You can't conflate like how people conflated Hillary and Trump. I don't think they will do that again this time, actually. We're up against Trump and it's it's sort of fighting for our lives. And we got Kamala uh, along for the ride and, and uh, it's, it's going to be, hopefully we, you know, we pack a punch in November, you know? No doubt. Well, everyone, honestly, like absentee vote, start doing what you need to do. You can vote ahead of time. I think starting in the next few weeks in a lot of different states and like, you know, judges, DAs, all these different things. I mean, we're seeing, as we spoke about in the beginning, like Corey Bush and Jamal Bowman and all these other people. If, if Kamala wasn't the person that you cared about and Biden's not fully your person, we still need them in. And, you know, you know find the, the, the people in, in you know, your local elections that, you know, align with you and get behind them. Right. That, that, is, that is your role, like phone bank for them, like put emails, donate, do all the things like we can sit here and bemoan the stuff that we don't want to happen. But in like, in some cases we can't do everything, but you're fooling yourself. If you think that you don't have some say shape or form in some of the stuff around you. Word. And kind of my last word is, yeah, the presidential election is in November, but also there's a lot of Senate seats. Uh, we need to continue to push on, on the Senate and the house. Like let's flip the Senate. Like if you really, if, if you're truly pissed about Kamala, like, flip your fucking senator if they're if they're republican we need to keep the majority in the house but get the majority in the senate that's real power i mean congress is a co-equal branch of the executive branch like this president is not a king uh so like we really need to continue to, to bring the heat to congress that's gonna that's gonna be what just you know elect sort of 20 more cory bushes like that's what we need to do in november facts facts all right everyone so this, this is the emergency pod. Uh, we'll be back in a few days with a new episode with a new guest. Uh, so stay tuned. Peace.